Great to have you along for the ride. Thanks a lot for stopping by. Always glad to have this young lady back. She comes on at least once a month and more if, if uh, there's a story that, that says we should get her back. It's Dr. Katherine Kuhlman. Katie, how are you? Good to see you. Great to see you, Joe. How have you been? I've been very well. You, you know, um, there's so much going on, and the world is a little bit topsy-turvy right now. Um, we, it used to be fossil fuels were good. Now it's bad. We have to do, uh, we have to do uh, electric everything. Um, we thought the border was secure. Now it's wide open. We thought Twitter was telling us the truth. Turns out they were lying their asses off for about three years. So everything is sort of upside down. Just in a general sense, if you don't mind, somebody comes in and says, Doc, I'm stressed out. The world is upside down. I don't know whether I'm coming or going anymore. What sort of advice would you give them off the top? Okay, calm down and what? Chill. Well, the thing <laughs> is, like, when something like this happens, right, it's like you've gotten the rug pulled out from under you, yeah. right? If you have been believing that the sky is green for 10 years and then you learn that it's actually blue, that means that you then start to question the rest of reality, yeah. right? Like, and it, this happens in everything, right? Like say you're in a relationship and you learn that your partner has lied about a couple of significant things. Well, now you run back and you run over everything that they've ever told you during the course of your relationship and you question the truthfulness. Right. And so I think that's what we're seeing happening on social media right now. You know, and I'm sure you've seen the memes too, right? About like how the conspiracy theorists were actually right because you've got all of these people on the left now admitting, you know, that a lot of what happened during coronavirus you know or what was said was actually false right um right and, and so i think that you have a lot of people who are they're very surprised um they're wondering who they should believe they're questioning the honesty of our government and the people that provide us information which is a good thing right we should we should be critically thinking well, and that's the thing. Um, we we all sort of lock ourselves into who we believe. It might be CNN, might be Fox News, might be my show, might be somebody else's show. And then once that trust is breached, now now what do you do? You're just sort of floating in the ocean without without a life raft, wondering, well, which way do I go to find out real information? And we as human beings really do hunger for real information. Twitter not only was so much wrong about how they reacted to, to COVID nineteen, who was being suspended because they talked about ivermectin or or that there are adverse effects from the shots. But also we find out that they literally broke their own rules to ban a sitting president from their own platform. And we're finding out that there were just strings and strings of emails and texts and, and DMs back and forth on Twitter trying to find a reason to get rid of anybody who happened to be conservative off of that platform. I mean, thank God Elon Musk had enough money to buy it that we found this out. But again, this kind of earth shattering. We're hearing people like Elton John saying, I'm leaving Twitter because now they're allowing misinformation. Twitter literally, Katie, is only allowing real information now, and they're getting rid of those those standards that hid truth from from fiction. So, I mean, again, how do you react? I like Elton John. Should I listen to him? I like Elon Musk. Should I listen to him? It re- we really sort of are, we're at a tug of war in our own minds, aren't we? We are, and I would just say you do what you want, right? I mean, right. if you like Elton John, listen to him. I don't care. <laughs> um, he's very talented. Yes. So. Yeah, you, I mean, you're kind of like just like searching through your own mind, like wondering like who's credible, who's not. And it's up to a lot of these news organizations or social media platforms to restore their credibility by being transparent, which is exactly what Elon Musk is doing with Twitter. Yes. Um, it's just that, that it's conservatives that are kind of, I think, reaping the benefit of that um, because we're learning a lot of what was actually going on behind the scenes. You know, and one of the things that I do to, to figure out like what is actually true, what is not is... You know, anytime I see a, a, an article on the news that's referencing some kind of something with, within scientific literature, I go in and I actually look at the like the peer-reviewed article 
you know, with whatever researchers, you know, did it and, and, and read through the 17 or 20 or, you know, 50 pages of right. research that they did, because we know that literally any kind of statistic can be skewed. And that's where you actually get to the meat of the information. And so what we really need to be teaching people is that if in order to figure out what's true, what's faked, how to restore trust um, and how to feel confident in your own abilities and, and what you decide is that you really need to go straight to the source and stop listening to to all of this stuff around us. It's Dr. Catherine Kuhlman. That is so smart. What, what great advice because I've got I've got actual doctors on who cite studies that prove that ivermectin not only works, but it's worked for oh, forever when it comes to something like this. Uh, hydroxychloroquine does work. We know that Regeneron didn't work or something uh, or some other uh, some other medicine. I might have you know, mis- misstated the medicine there, but the, that the jabs have adverse effects that people are suddenly dying and don't know why they're dying. And we just want the truth to be out there. But you're right. There are peer-reviewed studies that tell the truth, and they have for a year and a half, two years now, yet the media has hidden them. They're all available. Some of them are even on the NIH website. So you can go and find those. I think that's excellent advice. drkuhlman.com, K-U-H-L-M-A-N.com. That is her uh, website. It's Dr. Catherine Kuhlman. Let's talk about the, the Idaho murders, Moscow, Idaho. I didn't know there was a Moscow, Idaho. And we find out because four young people were were killed in their sleep and we have no idea why, no idea who, and it's been more than a month now. And if you do watch social media, there are young women specifically who are very, very afraid to be anywhere near that area for fear that there's a serial killer out there uh, doing horrible things. You work with law enforcement. You also, I know you've got an interest in, in serial killers and the way their minds work. What do you think is going on here in this case? Well, I mean, I can't say that it's a serial killer because, you know, law enforcement continues to say that this appears it was targeted. We don't know what the target was, whether it was the house or the actual individuals. You know, there's been theories that have been thrown out there about, you know, whether this is an incel or involuntary celibate, which is um, someone who essentially has a resentment towards women because they can't get one themselves um, and seeks to punish. But so, so there's all of these theories being, being thrown out there. And this is, it's a small town. um, And so you wonder, first of all, how often does this even happen? And so how well versed uh, is law enforcement in this town and dealing with a quadruple homicide, which is a very big deal. Um, And then the way that they were killed, um, you you do kind of where it's very close up to stab somebody. It means that you're actually watching the life leave their body. Um, it's not like you're shooting somebody from a number of yards away. Right. Um, and so there was something personal there, but it's the whole thing is fascinating. It's been fascinating the entire country because there's such a lack of information. What's interesting is the police one day said it was targeted. Then they said it turns out it wasn't targeted. 24 hours later, they said it was. So what are we to make of that? And, and there are people now critical of one of the young ladies who was killed father, uh, specifically her parents. They're on television saying they have to do this. They, they have to do that. They're telling us this when it was really that. Um, are they harming the investigation, do you think? Is this, is this their coping mechanism to go on television and talk about their daughter? I can't even imagine. I've got five daughters. I can't imagine going through something like this. Mm-hmm. Um, are they hurting yeah. the investigation? And what about the, the changes in what the police are releasing? Were they releasing things prematurely, do you think? What do you think about all that angle? Well, the, I mean, when it comes to releasing of evidence, because that's what all of this is, that information is evidence. And so they're typically very, very careful when they make the decision to release evidence, because, um, again, it could potentially harm the investigation. You you might not want a killer to know that you are on their tail. 
Um, but right. you also want to release information that's going to allow to help to catch them. So it's, it's a very, very delicate balance. And of course, there's parents that want information, people that are close that feel like they, they deserve it. And, and I would agree that they do. Um, when it comes to this dad in particular, and I know it, it's a mutual friend of ours that is, is definitely speaking out of, against the, this father. Yes. Um, you have to understand that um, for parents that go through something like this, any kind of wh- whether it's a mass casualty attack or or the loss of a child, and by a horrific means like like this, is that people want justice, and if they're not getting justice, they're going to find another way to get it. Yeah. And so um, that's why you see, you know, after you know, like a mass shooting or something, when the killer isn't being prosecuted quickly enough, people start, you know, there's lawsuits out the wazoo because they want something to happen. And so I, I do wonder if that's what this father is doing. Um, right? Like I need sympathy from people. I'm not getting it from the police department. Nothing's happening. If I speak out about it, people are going to validate my frustrations and they're going to help me demand. It's very interesting. In watching this unfold, I feel so horrible for these parents and for these families. But I want to go back to something you said earlier. It's a very personal thing when you're that close to somebody and you use a knife or an ice pick or something that, that would have to be manually you know, used over and over to kill somebody. Um, you, said, you said a term, involuntary celibate. You think this is somebody or you think it could be somebody who couldn't get his way with women, potentially with somebody who ended up dead, and then they they would snap? I mean, in your experience, is that what happens to these people? They'll snap and they need to personally take the life of the person to show them that they're better than they were being treated? I mean, am, am, I, am I adding too much to it? Well, I mean, so most, most incels will not become violent. They kind of, they stick to themselves, but they have this this grievance um, against women, but we, we have seen throughout the course of history a number of them um, who do become violent. Um, and it kind of started with with Elliot Roger, who was the UC Santa Barbara killer. Right, right. Um, and he's like who they, they praised. Um, and you'll see a lot of them um, just like read his manifesto and use a lot of his quotes. Um, but when I see where right, this is a house of like four pretty girls. Yes. Um, and they were all killed. And so it, it, like you wonder like what was going on there and it was so personal, right? It, this wasn't a robbery. This wasn't some drug deal gone wrong. Um, and it, it doesn't seem like this was a relationship or domestic violence issue because it resulted in the death of, of four girls, right? If it was targeted for one, um, then it would have just been one. Um, and, 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 so and, and just a quick correction. One, one was yeah. a guy. He was a boyfriend yes. and a, his girlfriend, then two other women. But there were two other people in the house. How weird is that? They weren't touched, thank God. They aren't, uh, they aren't suspects, according to the police. What do, you, what do you make of that? So everything I'm, I'm reading is saying that they went out that night. And so, right. you know, my, right. Cause I think that our, our initial concern is like, if two other people are in the house, how did they not hear that four people were being slaughtered? See everybody's saying, right. Um, but I mean. I've been to college um, and I've gone out and, and, and uh, you, you might not be cognizant of what's going on around you. I get you it. You might've passed out, yeah. right? Like you might've drank a lot and you might have, you might not have your wits about you. Right. And that may also be the reason, you know, that, that there wasn't as much fighting back as one would hope. Right. You think that we're going to get some answers on this soon? Because the pressure on the Moscow Police Department must be huge. The state police are involved. I think the FBI is getting involved if they can. Um, Will we get some answers soon? And do you think that there's a tactic being used by the law enforcement by saying, um, we have cleared that person, maybe clearing somebody they know is a suspect, hoping that he'll screw up? 
Well, I don't know about that. I, th- I think that clearing the suspects, I mean, it definitely makes the public feel better because it, it, it reinforces the fact that they're doing something, even right. though they're not necessarily getting information They're They're removing data and they're narrowing down their search. So that's really good. Um, I, I'm fairly certain and I wouldn't be surprised if the reason that the FBI is involved is, is to assist with their behavioral analysis unit. Um, this would be something that they would absolutely specialize in, right. especially if they're not really certain about who the suspect is. Um, and of course, the state police are going to help out because it's, it's a smaller department and the state police are going to have a lot more resources available to assist. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, it's, it, it's hard because I don't know. It, it just depends on the, on the, who this person is, right? If they're a serial killer, the information that's being released or not could be helpful or not helpful, but there's the, the amount of information that did not, the lack of the amount of information is, is really concerning. And, causing a lot more questions than answers. Yeah, people are getting frustrated. They definitely want some answers. It's Dr. Katie Kuhlman. Go to drkuhlman.com, D-R-K-U-H-L-M-A-N.com, and go find out more. Follow on Instagram, too. She's a great follow there, and on Twitter. Um, let me get into the border a little bit. We know that just in, in 24 hours period, 2,300 illegal aliens came across the Rio Grande into El Paso, Texas. They were brought there. They were escorted by, by the federales in Mexico. They were on a bunch of buses. I don't know where they came from. And they just came across the border, and the vast majority, we're told, were released into the streets of El Paso. This happened with the, the Haitians that were under the bridge in Del Rio. This is happening in Brownsville every day, McAllen every day. Where you are in Arizona, it's happening every day. What, what psychologically can we do to, to deal with this better? If you live in one of these cities where these people are just from a different country, many don't speak the language, they're walking around, you have no idea if they have a place to get food, if they have any money, or if they're going to steal stuff. We know that they're killing livestock. How do you deal with that as a community, knowing that the federal government isn't doing its job and you just have to you just have to take the brunt of everybody coming across the border? Well, I mean, I th- th- there's two things, right, is that, you know, probably the vast majority of the people that are crossing over, despite the fact that crossing into the country is illegal and by definition a crime, yeah. um, probably most of them are not criminal. Um, right. And so we don't want to necessarily let go on the complete offensive with them if they're in our communities. Um, but it's good to be cautious. Um Right. It's good to just like take personal safety and accountability. Right. Um, and, and and also just make it clear what your needs are to your local government. Right. Because the federal government's not doing anything. They're not they're not sending resources. Right. Um, but making it very much known to your city council and your local police departments, because they're the ones that actually are going to be able to do something like right where you are. It's it's an interesting quandary because, again, immigration naturalization is up to, because of the Constitution, up to the federal government. But if people are trespassing on my land or killing right. my livestock or leaving garbage in my on my yard, that is a local law enforcement issue. You call the local law enforcement, they, they then get a hold of ICE that this person's here illegally. ICE takes them, processes them, and then lets them out again. It's a process that's very, very frustrating for residents. But when it comes to Border Patrol agents, I've talked to these men and women. They, they have, they're pulling their hair out. They don't know what to do. They've actually become babysitters. They become paper processors. They're not able mm-hmm. to protect the border. Have you spoken with some of them? And, and, and what are they saying? And what sort of advice can you give somebody who knows that the federal government, the central government in Washington doesn't have their back when they try to do their job as law enforcers? I, you know, I actually talked to a Border Patrol agent today nice. um, that uh, was talking about how they were assaulted by um by two border crossers the other week um, wow. was detaining one. The other one was like fake crying and then um, hit him over the head with a backpack. 
and ran away. And so like this is this is a tactic that they're using. And, and for Border Patrol, like this is very difficult because they are so understaffed. There is not nearly enough Border Patrol agents at the border to to detain the amount of people that are coming through. And so a lot of them are just, they're absolutely going to slip through the cracks. You know, it's demoralizing, I think, to Border Patrol because then they feel like they're not doing their job, even though we know they're doing the best work that they can. Um, And we're going to see a lot of turnover, I think, with Border Patrol because um, why would they want to stay in a position where they don't feel appreciated um, a lot of the ones I talked to say that they they want to go on to other federal law enforcement agencies because they want to they want to catch you know the bigger fish. They feel like they're not doing a whole lot at the border and they they want something with with more purpose. And I mean, my message to them is that you're you're doing a great job. You're you're doing everything yeah. you can, and you're doing you know you're doing God's work. That this the, the job is very important, um, and that we need to extend our appreciation a lot more. No, I couldn't agree with you more. And I think these men and women are doing a, a thankless job. But again, they're being taken away from what they told the description was to do something other like watch, you know, change diapers and, and process people. Well, one last question on, the, on that uh, on that angle, maybe 30 seconds or so on this, if you don't mind. But we're being told that air marshals are going to be taken off of planes, sent to the border to help with processing. And here we are in the holidays, Katie. I'm going to jump on a plane and there might not be protection on the plane. That's crazy. Right. There might not be protection on the plane. And, and that's sad. I mean, the good news is, is that... Um, most federal law enforcement agents, agents, you know, when they fly that they're carrying and they have to declare themselves to the pilot so that they know where law enforcement is and where they're sitting on the right. plane. So that's good is that, um, you know, if people are going to be traveling for the holidays, um, including our federal law enforcement agents. So they're still working when they're flying. But but the fact that it's like not not so guaranteed, I think, is concerning. Um, and the fact that this is public knowledge, um, you know, this is a good nugget of information for our enemies. Yeah, that was really dumb to put it out there. I couldn't agree with you more. Yeah. It's uh, Dr. Katie Coleman, Dr. K-U-H-L-M-A-N.com. Go and check her out on the web and go follow her everywhere. Katie, uh, Merry Christmas. I don't talk to you. Happy New Year. And we'll talk to you again very soon. Thank you. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. All right. We're back after this. Stay right here. This is the Joe Pag Show. We appreciate Dr. Coleman coming on again. D-R-K-U-H-L-M-A-N.com. Go there and find out more. Let's use the pocket. Whoop. Dirty pop. Hi, Paul. Talk to her brother. So uh, Jay Leno was on um, NBC News with, uh, I guess, it, how do you say it? Hoda Kotb? Is that how you say your name? Hoda Kotb. Yeah, Hoda Kotb. Yeah, so he was explaining, I guess, how the whole fire situation happened. You know, and uh, I guess he was basically saying that the, the car's pilot light ignited the fuel and, oh, you know, it got in his face and he yelled to his friend, I'm on fire. Wow. Yeah. I got to check out that video. Appreciate you, Polo. Thank you. Thank you, Sam. Thank you, Carrie. I'm Joe. We'll see you tomorrow. Bye. This is the Joe Pegg Show.